Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved family. It's good to be with you. I tell you, we've had a rough start to this week. Um, First, the internet went out, and yesterday, I just fell asleep. I totally caught unawares. I'm so, so sorry. Um, I had a beautiful note from one of our supporters who sent an Easter uh, donation with a sweet note. He said, Mother, pace yourself. So sweet. And he had a line in there, which I absolutely love. He said, what is better than a full Easter basket? And the answer is an empty tomb. Isn't that beautiful? An empty tomb, better than a full Easter basket. So we are in the fourth week of Lent. Coming up, um, if you're in the Novus Ordo, this Sunday will be uh, the fifth Sunday. And if you're looking at the old calendar, it'll be Passion Sunday. And the following week will be Palm Sunday. So um, it, it's just been a, a beautiful Lent. It's To me, it, it's an extreme uh, privilege to be able to walk, uh, to be called by our Lord himself to accompany him through his desert wilderness, through his sufferings. Um, it's just beautiful. Every time we think of whatever we've given up, it, it compares not to what our Lord has given up. So um, I just count it a tremendous privilege, dear ones. Let me remind you that you are welcome to call in for the full hour from now on um, with whatever's on your heart, and it never needs to be our subject, what we're speaking about, but the heart of the matter is the matter of your heart, toll-free number <clears throat> uh, to call or to text is one 511 5483 or you may email at mother at Um I'm just going to repeat a paragraph from our what I tried to read yesterday, and I finally fell asleep, and we had to put an encore on. I'm so sorry about that, but um, we're reading This is the Faith by Reverend Francis uh, Ripley and uh, Canon Francis Ripley, and we're on Chapter 6, and uh, which is What is Faith?, and we're down now to supernatural faith. And I'll just repeat a paragraph that we began with yesterday, and I fell asleep, fell asleep on every third word. That's terrible. He says, supernatural faith includes the following principles. God is our first beginning and our last end. God has supreme dominion over us. We owe God due service, which we express in religion. True religion is the true worship of the true God. So whatever Protestant says that uh, religion is man-made and God wants a personal relationship with him, um, he's, uh, he's mistaken. Um, the personal relationship that God wants with him is part of true religion. It is the true worship of the true God. <clears throat> God has told us how he wants to be worshipped and man must obey this teaching of God. Man has no right to practice a religion of his own, um, making against, of his own making against God's will. God alone can declare to us in what true religion consists. 
This declaration of God contains the body of revealed truths, and we are bound to believe them. We must have faith in them. No one can be indifferent about such vital matters. Even at the time of the Reformation, the necessity of faith was never questioned. Those who left the true church still believed in God and Christ. Nowadays, many reject faith itself and are utterly indifferent about religion. Faith, they say, is nothing more than an emotion. No one can be received into the Catholic Church without a genuine and sincere faith in the Catholic religion. Faith is the very foundation on which the whole religious and spiritual edifice of Catholicism is erected. It is the root holding the tree against all the storms and difficulties of life and providing the sap which makes our religion a living force in our lives. The solemn teaching of the church on faith may be summed up as follows. Faith is a divine virtue by which we believe revealed truth, not because it is known to us by the natural light of reason, but because it is known to us by the authority of God, who can neither deceive or be deceived. The virtue of faith is infused into the soul with sanctifying grace, and it is lost only by a grave sin of unbelief, which a man commits by deliberately doubting or denying a truth which he knows God has revealed. Further, without a gift from God consisting in his enlightening and helping grace, no man can make an act of faith profitable for salvation. Still, faith does not deprive a man of liberty, but it is a help which he freely accepts and with which he freely cooperates. It is not a blind movement of the mind, but is in conformity with reason. The fact of God's existence can be most certainly known by the mind of man, reasoning from created things, the fact that God has spoken to us and can be most certainly known from miracles and prophecies. The truth which God has revealed are found in sacred scripture and tradition. And among these truths are mysteries which can never be understood by the mind of man in this life, no matter how far it may advance in knowledge. And now Canon Ripley has faith defined and explained very specifically. Faith is a supernatural gift of God by which one chooses reasonably to believe most firmly all that God has revealed because God must know the truth and is incapable of telling a lie. So, beloved, if you say, I believe, but I believe some things, not all things about the Catholic Church, then you don't believe God or the Church. Well, I believe some things, that's fine, but you don't believe they're from God or the Church. Because if you believe they're from God, you wouldn't believe some things and not other things. If it's from God, if the, the Church is based on the... Um, the faith wants to live it to the saints, then if you pick and choose like a cafeteria, uh, then you don't believe the church and you don't believe God. You're making yourself your own God. It's either true or it's not. All of it. You can't choose what makes sense to you. We're finite, sinful, fallen beings. 
We either believe God has given the truth that he has um, promised to keep, uh, lead the, his church into all truth till the end of time, or you don't. Um, faith is a supernatural gift. First, Canon Ripley says, one can neither deserve or merit it. We don't deserve it or we don't merit it. Faith is a gift. We don't deserve it and we haven't earned it. It's a pure gift. All we can do is to pray for it, hope for it, and make every effort to fulfill the conditions appointed by God. It is supernatural. That is, not essential to our nature, not ours at birth, not given for natural ends. If faith is God's gift, those who possess it are bound to thank him for it. Every one of us is born with the knowledge of God, Romans 1.19, every one of us. But the gift of faith to believe about Christ and what he has revealed through his revelation and his word is the gift of special revelation. And that is a gift of God. <clears throat> First, it's a gift. It's supernatural. Secondly, it's of God. Only God can bestow it. No amount of instruction can of itself give the faith. All the instructor can do is to explain it and try to help the convert by his example and his prayers. No man can come to me, said Jesus, except the Father who has sent me draw him, and I will raise him up in the last day. The fact that God, the creator, the supreme being, and the infinite good is the bestower of the gift of faith shows how precious it is. How we would cherish a personal gift from an earthly king. Here we have one from the heavenly king. So faith is a supernatural gift. Secondly, it's of God. Thirdly, by which one chooses. We are not compelled to believe. Christ, in fact, has promised to reward our loyalty. He who believeth and is baptized shall be saved. It is possible to lose the faith. Many have lost it, although they have been intellectually convinced of the truth. Others have refused to accept the gift of faith because of vanity or human respect or material difficulties. That is why Christ condemns unbelief. He says, he that believeth not shall be condemned. It is a gift, beloved. And so uh, the definition of faith, we, we said, was faith is a supernatural gift of God by which one chooses reasonably to believe most firmly all that God has revealed because God must know the truth and is incapable of telling a lie. So first, it's a supernatural. Secondly, it's a gift of God. Thirdly, it's by which one chooses. And fourthly, he chooses reasonably. And we'll talk about that. Not unreasonably, not blindly, but he chooses to receive the gift of faith reasonably. As soon as we come back from the faith, dear ones, we'll continue with this. And again, you're welcome to call in at any time and with anything on your heart, toll free. 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back.
Hello, beloved. This is Mother Miriam. How would you like to wake up each morning to inspiring sermons from knowledgeable and faith-filled priests? You can tune in to Sermons for Everyday Living every day at 6 a.m. Eastern on the Station of the Cross. You can listen on thestationofthecross.com or anytime on the free iCatholic Radio mobile app. God bless you. You can listen to any of our network-produced programs at your convenience, wherever you enjoy podcasts. Hear a powerful sermon you need to share with a loved one? Maybe there's a guest or teaching segment that deserves another listen. You can find all of our shows on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, our website, and the free iCatholic Radio app. Be uplifted in your faith. Listen today at thestationofthecross.com or on your favorite podcasting platform. As a nonprofit lay organization financially independent from your diocese, our apostolate is listener supported. Through your generosity, we are able to inspire countless listeners with the gospel message and help lead them to a parish to be spiritually nourished by the sacraments. The Station of the Cross thanks our supporters who have enabled us to broadcast Catholic programs for more than 20 years. Thank you for your continued support and may God bless you and your family. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Morning Show. We're happy to be with you on the Station of the Cross Catholic Media Network each weekday morning at 7 a.m. We strive to keep you informed and inspired with insightful guests and a look at the breaking news of the day. Join us on the Catholic Drive Time Show every weekday morning at 7 a.m. across the Station of the Cross and the iCatholic Radio app. That's every weekday morning at 7 a.m. We look forward to seeing you there. God love you. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. We are um, looking at Chapter 6 of This is the Faith by Canon Francis Ripley, and um, we're on the subject of faith, defined and explained. And let me mention again, um, as the uh, announcer said during the break, you are welcome to call in with anything on your heart at any time, toll-free, 1-877-511-5483, or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Um uh, we just, um, uh, to repeat the definition of faith that Canon Ripley has, and then he's breaking it down to define it. He says, faith is a supernatural gift of God by which one chooses reasonably to believe most firmly all that God has revealed, because God must know the truth and is capable, incapable of telling a lie. First, he says that it's a supernatural faith, Secondly, it's of God. Thirdly, by which one chooses. And fourthly, by which one chooses reasonably. And he says, every day of our lives, we accept truth on the word of man. It is therefore reasonable for us to accept truth on the word of God. The store of information any man can brand as his own without having acquired it from others is very small. 
He continually accepts truth from his fellow men. In fact, dependence on them is a law of human nature. But the higher the authority for information received, the more reasonable is the act of submission to it. God's is the highest possible authority. He is absolute, infallibility itself. Once it is certain that God has spoken, it would be the height of folly to refuse to accept his word. We have more than sufficient evidence to prove that God has spoken to men. The historical facts concerning Christ, Christ and the church, can be verified by reason alone, thus justifying their divine authority. Faith does not ignore reason, but presupposes it, nor does it ever contradict reason. It teaches knowledge which is beyond but never against the powers of reason. It regards reason, it controls reason, as the laws of arithmetic control the accountant. But faith does not degrade reason any more than belief in lovely flowers degrades the blind man who cannot see them. Faith checks intellectual independence, but no more than a lighthouse checks the movements of a sailor. sailor. Okay, number five, to believe. And that is, hold on, let me just check one thing here. Hold on. Okay, I think we have um, a call from Noreen in New York. Hi, Noreen. Hi, sister. Thank you for taking my call. And for You're welcome. You do for us. I love your I New York accent. It's a... <laughs> Oh, I know. It is a strong one. <laughs> I like it. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Mother. Um, I, I appreciate you taking my call. My question is this, Mother. I'm a Lake Carmelite here in a community, lovely, lovely community. Mm-hmm. We have a new director who recently wanted to start to use um, the method of centering prayer to bring us into a, a better practice of Lexio Divina during our monthly meetings. And I pushed back against this. Uh, thinking that it's not Carmel, it's not our charism, it's not what we practice. Um, You're right. Am mm-hmm. I wrong for that? I'd be going mm-hmm. along with this because they, they claim that uh, Father Keating and others, there was a nun here on Long Island that was beloved, that used it, and um, I guess helped many people. And mm-hmm. so I'm getting a lot of uh, pushback about that, and I just don't know where to, where to go with this now. Maybe I'm wrong. No, you're right, actually. Um, you know, people that haven't prayed at all are going to do anything is going to help them, you know. But um, just, here's a note from, um, it's, it's a more new age than anything, I would say. Here's a note from the Catholic Answers website. The Centering Prayer Movement is a relatively new phenomenon in the church, but it has become remarkably widespread. In some areas of the United States, for example, you'll find Centering Prayer Meetings almost as common as rosary prayer groups or Bible studies. Um, Notwithstanding its acceptance in some quarters, at its core, it is incompatible with Catholic teaching for at least three reasons, among others, that we can consider. Um, I won't read the whole article, just the three reasons. First, centering prayer has a constitutive element Um, a monistic, not monastic, monistic view of God in relation to man. Monism is the belief that there is no essential distinction between the creature and the creator. So that's 
um, you mentioned Father Thomas Keating. He's a Trappist monk who helped found the Centering Prayer Movement in the 1970s. And he gives us what could be considered a textbook definition of monism when he describes in his own world words what he calls the spiritual journey. Um, and in that video, Father Keating says the essence of the spiritual life can be summed up in these three steps. Number one, the realization that there is an other, capital O, an, an other. Secondly, to try to become the other, still capital O. Thirdly, the realization that there is no other, capital O. You and the other are one. Always have been, always will be. You just think that you aren't. See, it's really a problem. Um, Father Keating is not speaking. There's just so much here. Uh, Let me just see if, um, if we can have the other two steps. The idea that the self and God are the same thing should eliminate centering prayer as an option for Catholics. Um, and let me see, finally, um, the third problem with centering prayer, it is outside of Catholic orthopraxy. In other words, it's not orthodox practice. Centering prayer is not really prayer at all. Um, Father Keating says that it's a journey to the true self, the realization that we are God. So that's the story. And, um, um, it, it's, it's not good. And if you wish to go to help Noreen, to help your, your Carmelite prayer group, go to catholic.com, type into the search box, Centering Prayer, and uh, you can print out that article for them. Okay. So it would be incorrect for them. I think some of the uh, members maybe will see it as just using a technique, not necessarily believing all the things that you put forth. But that's still wrong because you're still. It's still wrong. It's like using, yeah. Right. It's like using yoga just to, to, for stretch exercises. You're entering into the devil's territory. Right. You're entering into so forget yoga. You don't have to enter into his territory. Forget anything new age and forget centering prayer. Um, uh, there are so many um, good books on prayer, Carmelite beyond all orders has beautiful instruction on prayer you have Teresa of Avila, you have Teresa of Lisieux, you have John of the Cross so many beautiful things I would not depart from that and even skirt the devil's um, uh, ways Right, well thank you so much Mother, I I really please say a prayer because I do get my Irish anger up so I have to like um (laughs) <laughs> yes, but if you do, you do, you do, because if you're upset, people will not hear what you're saying. They'll just hear your emotions and you'll, you, you won't be able to give them the truth. So you, you've got to keep calm and uh, speak the truth without, without emotion so that they can hear what you're saying or read the article rather than thinking it's your own pet peeve. 
Thank okay. you so much, Mother Mary. Can you give me a oh. blessing before you leave? <laughs> oh, well, I don't know that I can do that, but I, I, we ask God to bless you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We ask God's blessings on you. I can't give you a blessing the way a priest can, but we do ask God to bless you. And, and that's good. God bless you, sweetheart. The reason you have such a temper is you're a New Yorker. All New Yorkers have that. I understand it. But you've got to cool down. I'm trying to overcome those things. <laughs> Don't try. Just do it. Nike, just do it. Okay, honey. All right, thanks. We're going to go back to the article now um, on faith. And um, uh, we're up to point five to believe. So by faith is a supernatural gift of God by which one chooses reasonably to believe, not to think or suppose or even agree to because the truth is fully understood and demonstrated. Oh, hold on. I lost my spot. Oh dear, hold on. How did how did that happen? Oh dear. Hmm. What did I do? I have this book downloaded on my computer. All right, hold on. Let me just see. Hold on. Faith. I don't know what I just did to us or to myself. Um, hold on now. I keep telling you to hold on. I totally lost my place. Here it is. Let me get to chapter six. What is faith? Okay, we got there. Now let me get to where I was. I need somebody helping me on this end. Okay. I'm almost there. Here we go. All right. Faith is a supernatural gift of God by which one chooses reasonably to believe. Here we go. Um, Not to think or suppose or even agree to, because the truth is fully understood and demonstrated, but to assent fully to a truth on the word of another, namely God. The telescope is sometimes used as an example of the function of faith. As in the natural order, a powerful telescope will enable us to see heavenly bodies otherwise invisible to the human eye. So faith is an additional power of spiritual sight, or rather insight. It brings an interior conviction about the reality and a new appreciation of the significance of spiritual truths. One who believes finds that these truths impress him ever more deeply. Faith is not, as Luther said, mere trust in the fidelity of God to keep his promises. No. St. Paul described it in the book of Hebrews as evidence and speaks of faith as bringing into captivity every understanding into the obedience of Christ. So it's not just to believe but it's to believe most firmly. We're going to go on with that definition. Um, Canon Lipley um, defines um, every single term in the definition to believe most firmly all that God has revealed. What does it mean to believe most firmly? We'll continue with that, dear ones, when we come back from the break. And I invite you to call in with anything on your heart whatsoever. Toll free, one 877 
511-5483 or email at the uh, the station of, nope mother at the station of the cross.com we have a whole half hour when we come back and um, and our lines are wide open we'll be right back The 40 days of Lent remind us of when Jesus himself fasted and was tempted in the desert. In the Bible, 40 symbolizes a time of struggle, purification, and rebirth. 40 weeks is the time it takes a child to be developed in their mother's womb. Noah, in the ark, watched it rain for 40 days and 40 nights, and then the people of God were reborn after the flood. Moses went up Mount Sinai for 40 days to receive the commandments and the Israelites wandered in the desert for 40 years to find the promised land. Jesus enters the wilderness for 40 days filled with the Holy Spirit. There, the devil tries to tempt Jesus with the same things the Israelites struggled with in the desert, hunger, doubt, and obedience. But Jesus rebukes him, each time with quotes from the Old Testament. Let us seek a time of rebirth and purification these 40 days of Lent. This is Matt Maloney from KnowTheFaith.net. Hey, Jim Havens here. I'm host of The Simple Truth, which airs every weekday from 4 to 5 p.m. Eastern on the Station of the Cross Catholic Media Network. The focus of the show is authentically receiving, living, and handing on the simple truth of Jesus and his Catholic Church in a down-to-earth, no-nonsense manner. The guests are phenomenal, and each weekday has its own theme, always encouraging us to take the next step in our faith wherever we may be. It's The Simple Truth, every weekday from 4 to 5 p.m. Eastern on the Station of the Cross. Bring many more people closer to our Lord by letting them know about Catholic Radio. One of the simplest ways to promote Catholic Radio is by displaying a bumper magnet on your car. Order your free bumper magnets at thestationofthecross.com. We'd be happy to send bumper magnets for your listening area so that others can come to know the Lord. That's thestationofthecross.com. Thank you for sharing Catholic Radio on the road. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. I am she and I am live and awake. Um, and we have a full half hour before us, and I invite you to call in with anything on your heart. The heart of the matter is the matter of a, your heart, not the subject we're speaking about. We do have an email from uh, Teresa, and Teresa writes, Dear Mother, <clears throat> I just finished reading two books on the Holocaust and am beyond devastated. I could not put into words how the atrocities done to your people have affected me. <clears throat> The first book was Ordinary Men by Christopher Browning, a very factual analysis of how a group of ordinary men could do what they did and the factors in play that enabled their participation. This book was a tough read, but nothing compared to the second book, Treblinka, A Survivor's Memory. Mother, I have tears in my eyes just recalling this memoir that describes what has to be the greatest evil ever committed by men. And of course, dear one, if you say that, I think of 
are putting God to death on the cross. There's nothing greater than that, but I know what you're saying. Oh, there you go. She says it. Second only to Jesus' crucifixion. Good. After I finished reading, I searched the internet with the words, in quotes, why did God allow the Holocaust to happen? I came upon this article called The Defective Covenant by Jennifer Lasley, and it is about Holocaust survivors losing their faith. The author said that the words were inscribed on a wall of concentration camp in Austria by an unknown author that, when translated, read, If there is a God, he will have to beg for my forgiveness. Well, I'm going to read further in your text, but I would say shame on whoever, whoever wrote that. If there is a God, he will have to beg for my forgiveness. That person has no idea who God is. And the, the covenant God gives are not defective. All God's ways are perfect. So shame on um, that sentence. And I, I wish that um, someone would erase that from the concentration camp. That only reveals the unfaithfulness of God's own people. He owes them nothing. They owe him everything. And... and um, Teresa goes on to say, Mother, I am striving each day to live in the holy will of God in all things. I believe doing so is the only way to true happiness on earth. I believe that God is our loving Father. You're absolutely right, Teresa. I believe nothing happens unless he sends it or permits it right. The only thing I can think of for him allowing millions of innocent, unarmed men, babies, women, children to suffer what they suffered is that he was accepting their terrible deaths as a collective reparation for Israel's rejection of his son. I don't know that. You know, Deuteronomy 28, at the close of the Torah, God said to Israel, if you obey me, I will bless you. If you disobey me, I will curse you. And Israel has turned from God over and over and over again. They are turned from him now. And so they cannot blame God for following through on his promise to curse them if he, they turn from him, which they have. Um, Teresa says, um, I know that he did not in any way cause the Holocaust. I also know he can bring great good out of terrible evil. You are right. And Teresa says, I would greatly appreciate your insight on this. Why did God allow the Holocaust to happen? Why should we expect his protection in our own coming persecutions when he allowed his chosen ones to be so brutalized? Well, why did God allow the Holocaust to happen? Uh, The question is, why did he allow his son to be put to death? Um, um, God uh, has not created us robots. He's created us with free will to turn from him or to follow him to love him or to go against him. He's given us free will. And the evil of men um, is rampant on the earth. And particularly concerning the Jewish people, the enemy knows that the Messiah would come through the Jewish people. And he knows that the Messiah has come through the Jewish people. But um, to kill the Jewish people... Uh, is to kill the people that God created for himself uh, through whom he brought salvation to the world and continues 
to bring salvation to the world through his chosen people, the Hebrew people. If you have questions about that or want to understand that fully, read the book by Roy Showman, Salvation is from the Jews. That's a quote of our Lord in John chapter 4. Salvation is from the Jews, from Abraham, right through the second coming of the Messiah, of our Lord Jesus Christ. Roy has done a magnificent job in that book. Salvation is from the Jews. Why should we expect God's protection in our own coming persecutions when he allowed his chosen one to be so brutalized, Teresa? Well, um, God's protection doesn't mean that we won't come under persecution. It doesn't mean we won't be martyred. But it means if we're faithful to him when we are martyred, if and when we are martyred, we will spend eternity with him in heaven. That's our ticket straight to heaven. For those who don't believe and who have turned from him, their martyrdom is not martyrdom. Their being killed uh, is, is uh, that moment determines whether they spend eternity with God or eternity without him. That's the issue. The issue, God is faithful to his promises. The issue is our faith. <clears throat> Our faithfulness to God. We have Denise from Toronto on the line. Hi, Denise. Oh, hello, Mother Miriam. How are you today? I'm good, good. I, well, you've called in a few times, haven't you, Denise? I think I recognize I, you. Yes, I have not for a while, but yeah, I've still been listening, but okay, didn't call good. in. But, yeah, so I have a question <clears throat> and a petition. Um, the question <clears throat> is this. Um, I have a friend um, actually, he was an art teacher of mine, and he's, but he's a friend, I guess. And he um, he's Mormon, and I don't know a heck of a lot about the, the Mormon um, religion. And um, but he seems to really love the Lord. He does drawings of the Lord, and um, every time he starts an art class, he begins with a prayer, and ends with a prayer. And um, he sometimes he asks me to say the prayer. He noticed I he knows I'm Catholic, and um, he noticed I make the sign of the cross, and he, he was asking me, you know, he, he asked me what it meant, and I, I told him, and then one time he asked me, um, can I do that? <laughs> I didn't know what to say. I said, well, I don't know. I said, you know, <laughs> and so I don't know. I really have no idea how to, like, he seems to be interested in, you know, our faith and um, what it's about. And it but, seems like you've been a wonderful witness to him. You could say to him, um, it, it wouldn't be right for you to make the sign of the cross, cross unless you believe it. Mormons do not believe in the Trinity, on the three persons in one Godhead, the triune nature of God. They don't believe that Christ is God. They believe that Christ and Satan were brothers. So, um, and at the highest level of Mormonism, which mo- most Mormons don't know, they they, they perform sacrifices. So, um, it's um, it's not Christian. Mormon baptism is not a Christian baptism because, again, it must be in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, which they don't believe. The best thing, Denise, um, this is a wonderful opportunity you've been given, and apparently you're a a good witness to him. Go on to Catholic.com and just type in Mormonism, and you will get a tremendous amount of tracts that you can print out, download, read, highlight, on what Mormons believe. You can also go to the shop at Catholic Answers 
and you'll see many books on what Mormons believe, how to witness to Mormons. There's a book by a Mormon who, uh, unfortunately, he was a Catholic priest, and he became a Mormon of all things. And he rose to the highest level of those sacrifices, which most, as I say, Mormons have no idea that they do, um, the sacrifices to Satan. And he returned to the Catholic Church and wrote a book uh, on that. So um, it's a very thick book and very long reading. But much at Catholic Answers, just type into their search engine, Mormonism, and you will get that. But I would say God has given you a wonderful invitation to your art teacher, who apparently um, is his heart is toward God, and he may not even know what his own religion really teaches. If, you know, if you say Mormons don't believe in the Trinity, so they, they wouldn't make the sign of the cross in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. I once sat with a, a neighbor, a Mormon neighbor, and we went out to lunch, and I said, Mormons don't believe in the Trinity? She said, well, I do. And they don't believe Christ is God. Well, I do. And we talked about all the uh, articles of religion. She would believe them all. And I said, well, you're a very bad Mormon, but you're a good Christian. So... Um, um, yeah, I, I would take advantage of that, Denise, and uh, learn what Mormons believe and be able very gently um, to uh, help him. Okay, yeah, that's a good way to bring it up. And uh, I do have a petition, Mother. Um, I was, sadly, I was, I was in contact with a woman a couple of days ago through the Sisters of Life who was considering abortion. And um, we were managed to get her to maybe agree to come and visit the sisters, but then she canceled her appointment yesterday. And despite all our prayers and everything, we, we don't know what's going on. So if you can just keep this woman in your prayers. I know there's millions around the women. We are there's millions around we, the world who the, everyone counts. This is one baby that would not be murdered if we all pray. So I ask all our listeners to pray. The Station of the Cross through LifeSite News goes all over the world. And everyone to pray for that woman that she would not put her baby to death. Thank you. That abortion. Good, Denise. God bless you, sweetheart. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. you. Thank you. Okay, now we're going back. Again, you're welcome to call in with anything at all on your heart. And um, uh, let me take one more email here. It's from Paul. Paul writes, Dear Mother Miriam, I just received a donation request from Catholic Relief Services, CRS, it, it's uh, known as. I refuse to give one penny to CRS based on reports by Lepanto Institute, which condemn CRS's Catholic Relief Services support of contraception, abortion, etc. Your comments will greatly will be greatly appreciated. My God bless you in your work, Paul. Paul, you're a hundred percent right. Uh, anyone who questions, not one penny should be given to Catholic Relief Services, and there are many dioceses that still pass out envelopes uh, from Catholic Relief Services (CRS) to collect donations to give to them. And they get millions and millions from the Catholic Church, millions. And I would urge every single one of you in every single parish um, not only to not give a single penny, not turn in any of those envelopes, but tell your pastor, print out information from Lepanto Institute, L-E-P-A-N-T-O, that's Michael Hitchborn, Lepanto Institute. Go to Lepanto, um, just print out uh, do a search for Catholic Relief Services, and you will see every proof you need 
of their being um, uh, incorporating evil. What they call Catholic relief is not Catholic relief. Um, it is uh, supporting abortion and contraception and killing millions of people to reduce the population in Africa and elsewhere. It's, it's an abomination. I would have nothing, absolutely nothing to do with them. Okay. Um, we will go continue at the moment with um, the definition of faith here from um, Father Francis Ripley. Um, uh, that we must believe most firmly and we'll continue with that as soon as we come back from the break beloved um, our lines are wide open call in during the break if you wish uh, toll free one 5483 it'll be our last segment and you'll have a good 10 minutes when we come back this would be a perfect time to call in during the break one 511 5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back. to St. Michael. O glorious Prince of the Heavenly Host, St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in the battle and in the fearful warfare that we are waging against the principalities and powers, against the rulers of this world of darkness, against the evil spirits. Come thou to the assistance of men whom Almighty God created immortal, making them in his own image and likeness and redeeming them at a great price from the tyranny of Satan. Fight this day the battle of the Lord with thy legions of holy angels, even as of old thou did fight against Lucifer, the leader of the proud spirits, and all his rebel angels, who were powerless to stand against thee. Neither was their place found any more in heaven. And that apostate angel transformed into an angel of darkness, who still creeps about the earth to encompass our ruin, was cast headlong into the abyss together with his followers. But behold, that first enemy of mankind, and a murderer from the beginning, has regained his confidence. Changing himself into an angel of light, he goes about with the whole multitude of the wicked spirits to invade the earth and blot out the name of God and his Christ, to plunder, to slay, and to consign to eternal damnation the souls that have been destined for a crown of everlasting life. This wicked serpent, like an unclean torrent, pours into men of depraved minds and corrupt hearts the poison of his malice, the spirit of lying and piety and blasphemy, and the deadly breath of impurity, and every form of vice and iniquity. These crafty enemies of mankind have filled to overflowing with gall and wormwood the church, which is the bride of the Lamb without spot. They have laid profane hands upon her most sacred treasures. Make haste, therefore, O invincible prince, to help the people of God against the inroads of the lost spirits and grant us the victory. Amen. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. 
Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. This is our last segment. We've got 10 minutes, and you're welcome to call in again with anything on your heart. Uh, Toll-free 1-877-511-5483. Our lines are open. We have uh, plenty of time for you to call in, 10 minutes. I think that's plenty. Um, And uh, you can email at mother at the station of the cross.com. We have a call from Mary in Massachusetts. Hi, Mary. Hello, Mother. Good to hear you. Hi, sweetheart. Thank you. How are you doing? Doing well. Good. Um, Mother, reason for my call is uh, I would like to hear you help me understand what's proper to the sanctuary because sure. uh, it seems it seems that um, recently, and I've seen this in a number of churches. Uh, my understanding is that the the altar cloth is to be a representation of of the shroud. So the altar cloth would cover the front part of the altar. Uh, this has now been removed such that the altar now looks like a table and the view of the priest as he's moving around now because there's there's no altar cloth in front of the altar is extremely distracting because all you see is the the priest from the waist down and then also the crucifix now uh, has been taken out and just replaced by a huge cross with no corpus. Oh, also, awful. The, the candles are no longer reverently uh, put out with something I guess you might call a candle holder, mm-hmm. and they just come up and, and blow out the candles themselves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the whole thing is okay. awful, Mary. I, the whole thing, everything you've said just now is improper and it's the degradation of the faith is what it is the degradation of the faith uh it's a novus ordo church i take it right mary no it's just a a local regular church that's Uh, novus ordo it's not a latin mass it's not a latin mass it's it mass in english Right, but it's what I'm saying. It's a, it's that is Novus Ordo. It's the new order, and uh, it just continues to be degraded. It's wrong. Oh. You are right, and uh, that is the the mass following Vatican II, and uh, it's it's not actually. It, it was better following Vatican II, but it has continued to be degraded, and so it's really really a shame, Mary. If you could find a more reverend church near you especially the latin mass or a more reverent novus ordo i would i would go there instead what you're finding and what you're grieving is wrong it's all wrong everything you've just mentioned Mm -hmm. is it something that a letter to to the bishop would help in massachusetts uh, of course it depends upon what bishop um I wouldn't send a letter to the bishop before talking to your pastor. Um, The the proper thing to do is talk to the pastor about it. And if the pastor poo-poos it, because I I just um, uh, hard to believe that he's replaced the crucifix with a plain cross uh, and the other things. It's just, uh, it's it's, it's actually, um, it's against the faith. It's terrible. Um, get a sacramentary or a book that speaks about 
the sanctuary set up again in the Novus Ordo, uh, N-O-V-U-S, O-R-D-O, means the new order. And so that you you can see what it says. And again, following Vatican II, not a not one produced net last year, but uh, the the a book on the way the sanctuary is to be set up uh, following Vatican II, and you can read it and find those things. And uh, because the sanctuary wasn't changed, there was no reason for anything to be changed that way. Um, and so find those areas and bring them to your priest with a good, faithful um, sheep's heart, not, not angry or critical, but say, Father, I've noticed these changes, and so I wanted to do some research, and I found here in the book how they were intended to be. Are you aware of this? Or I don't know if you're even in charge of the changes. Talk to your priest first. If he poo-poos everything and is not interested um, and dismisses you, Tell him you're going to write to the bishop. Tell him you're going to do that. Look at Matthew chapter 18. Um, if something, if someone commits sin or they're wrong, you go to that person. Um, and if they don't, um, um, if they're not open to correction, um, then you you tell it to the church. But um, be careful because you're correcting a priest. So be very careful. Be very respectful in what you're doing. Um, but if he's not interested and he only wants to make the church more Protestant, um, tell him that it's very upsetting to you and that you're going to write to the bishop. And you'll, you'll copy him on it. So you write to the bishop, um, include in your letter the um, proper paragraphs from the uh, sacramentary or whatever book describes the way the altar, the sanctuary should be. And uh, give your priest the, the notes um, and copy the pastor. Uh, write the bishop and copy the pastor. You're not going behind the pastor's back. You could say to the bishop, I went to Father so-and-so, and, -so and um, he's just not open to any of this, and it's greatly disturbing to me, so I told him I would write to you. Do everything openly. Okay, because, Mother, my, my inclination is it's, it's the... It's the uh congregants that are putting the pressure on the priest. The, the priest, it seems very kindly and... Uh, well, he uh, has a job. Other... He, he has a job. A shepherd cannot let the sheep run the place. He is responsible, not the, not the lay people. If he lets the lay people do this, he is responsible for leading them astray. He must not. He is the shepherd. And sheep want to do this, they must get his permission, and he must say that's not proper and explain to them why. He cannot let the congregation run that. Okay. Okay? Okay, that's great, Mother. That's very helpful, Good. extremely. Good, you, Good Mary. God bless you, sweetheart. Okay. Um, let me see. We have a Facebook comment from Alex uh, concerning... Um, um, Catholic Re um, Relief Services, CRS, uh, and he asks how, Alec, he says, how about Catholic Charities? Could you please pray from, well, as far as Catholic Charities go, um, I, I would not give to them in general because uh, if you see what's going on at the border through Catholic Charities, they are doing huge, huge damage. Um, at the border, um, 
uh, again, look up Lepanto Institute and you'll have all the information. So Catholic Charities, um, in in number of ways and locations, is has added to the evil of this world. Um, I came from Tulsa. Uh, we're in Beloit, Kansas now, and I haven't yet had experience with Catholic Charities in the Diocese of Salina. Uh, I think they would probably be 100% fine. But Tulsa, Oklahoma, I, I think they're probably the best Catholic Charities group in the entire country. They're absolutely fantastic stewards of every penny. So if I'm giving to them, I would give to them, Alex. But you need to know exactly where that money goes before you give to Catholic Charities. And then Alex says, could you please pray for my youngest son who joined the armed forces? He's a very faithful guy. Pray for him to learn a lot, surround himself with faithful people, and stay safe. That's a good prayer, Alex. We will pray for that, dear one. God bless you. There's our closing music, beloved. And God willing, we will be with you tomorrow. Love God and live the faith and compromise on absolutely nothing. God bless you.